Homestyle Green, episode number 61, Vector's Home Solar Electricity System. What's so special about it? G'day and welcome to another episode of Homestyle Green. I'm the host of the show, Matthew Cutler-Welsh, and I'm a sustainable housing expert. My mission is to help create better homes homes that are good for people and good for the planet. And you are someone who wants to help me on that journey. Maybe you're a designer or an architect, or maybe you're just someone who is in the know because you are researching building your or designing your own home for yourself or your family. Now, solar, solar electricity, it's on its way. It's coming. And a lot of places around the world, it's already here. And there's some pretty well-established markets in our near neighbours over in Australia and also, of course, Germany, Spain and parts of the US. It's really, really starting to get some traction. And I'm not just talking now about kind of forced or heavily subsidised traction. I'm talking about rural marketplace traction. And I think this is pretty exciting, really exciting actually, uh, for, for lots and lots of reasons. We won't go into that now. But that's what today's show is about and specifically what Vector up here in Auckland, is doing about it. Before we get into that, though, just want to do a couple of shout-outs. First of all, Phil McLean. Uh, remember Phil? Spoke to him about his Stretch and Grow house. Had a lot of interest in that, which is great. Cause, uh, Phil's such a nice guy. Had a really great phone message from Phil, uh, so I wanted to say thank you to Phil. Always a pleasure to hear back from people. He's uh, since our interview has had another interview with none other than Fairfax. Fairfax, who owns, of course, Stuff and the Press. So great that his message and his research and his learning is getting out there to a much uh, broader audience. He has also finished the 3D models that he was working on on SketchUp. So I'll put a link to those and you can check them out uh, because he's um, put the finishing touches on those. And he's out busy looking around not just New Zealand but around the world for alternative material suppliers and options for actually building one of those things. And wouldn't that be great to see one of those built somewhere in Christchurch perhaps as an example of an alternative way of building sensible size and uh, certainly very adaptable homes. Um, of course, got to have a, a shout-out as well to Ben, Ben Adam-Smith from House Planning Help. I only shout out because I know he loves it. I know he's listening while he's running along because uh, he keeps tweeting me about it. And also congrats to Ben. You're, it sounds like you're just cranking it and getting some really good traction, not just with your podcast, but with also the video content as well. I really look forward to that um, that urban design development process or project that you've um, it sounds like you've got going on. So really keen to uh, stay in touch with that. And, of course, Elrond, keep those comments coming. Elrond, who we interviewed a few episodes ago uh, about his work on Passive House, very, very topical, and got the questions going, got some great comments going, um, not only on Homestyle Green but a few other websites as well. Because Elrond is everywhere. He's, uh, he pops up in LinkedIn, Google+, Twitter, and uh, really appreciate all those comments, Elrond, so keep them coming. One place uh, that I am also on is Pinterest. And if you haven't checked out the Pinterest page, Homestyle Green does have a Pinterest page. And Pinterest is great. I used to think it was uh, the realm of 
my wife actually, she loves that sort of stuff because it's very visual. And I think early on it was probably dominated uh, more by by females. And um, there's certainly it's got its fair share of artsy, crafty kind of stuff. But it's a great, great place for looking at or, or collating visual stuff. And of course. Good design, good houses are all about visual appearance as well as film performance as well. But visually uh, attractive and interesting houses, but also parts of houses is a great way to showcase those. So I've been collecting a few interesting pictures, and if you do come across some interesting stuff, love to hear about it, love to see it. So send me some links, and it'd be great to pop those up on Pinterest. And of course, like all those other great sites, you can follow Homestyle Green on Pinterest so that uh, whenever I do pop something up there, you can have a look, comment, share your thoughts, and also link through to other websites. And uh, finally, before we get into today's show, just want to shout out to all the subscribers who have joined the Homestyle Green community. It's fantastic to have people join up. Um, if you pop up in my inbox each day, which is really, really cool. It's just nice to get some feedback um, about the the site and the show. And like I said, I, I really don't want that to be just an arduous, another bloody um, newsletter that arrives and clogs up your inbox. I really am interested in what's going on out there. What's your interest either as a home owner or as a designer? What are the big issues you've got right now to get your message out there? And, and what are your frustrations in the marketplace? What are your successes as well? I really want to know what people have done either as a builder, designer, or an, or a homeowner to really improve the performance and, and something that's worked really well. So um, let's share those knowledge because like I always say, houses around the world are not that unique because we have a lot more in common than we do in difference. So um, yeah, let's get the conversation going there. Particularly, I'm interested in who is the best architect or designer or builder in your region? Who are they? I want to find them so that others can find them as well. And I'm not necessarily talking here about people who sort of take out the Registered Master Builders Awards and those the big flashy houses. Now, some of them are very, very good builders and they, they um, have very good quality in their builds uh, and good designers as well. But I'm more interested in people that might fly under that, that radar, people who are building really energy-efficient, cost-effective, stylish, and healthy family homes. So if you know someone in your region, maybe a designer, architect, or just a builder, uh, who's producing homes like that and deserves a bit of recognition and you'd like other people to be able to find them for the good quality of work that they do, or perhaps you're one of those people yourself, then do let me know because I really want to start building up a, a bit of a register of people so that people can know where they are, and they can go and find people that others recommend. But I'd also like to get in touch with them because I want to interview them too. So if you've got any any referrals of people you'd like to hear on the show, do let me know. Okay, that's enough of that. Let's get on to solar. Now, the interesting thing about Victor is that they're not a power company. They're a lines company. And it's a bit confusing here in New Zealand, but basically lines companies are people like Victor who essentially have a monopoly because they run a business which is in charge of looking after the poles and wires in the local region. Now, Victor, Victor it happens to be one of the largest in the country because they've got all the Auckland region, plus they do gas as well. 
but they don't actually generate any electricity, or they at least they didn't until quite recently, or not much anyway. Um, and they don't retail it. They, so you don't buy your electricity from Vector. You buy it from a retailer. Now, that's all very confusing for most people, except that for most part, Vector's pretty much out of the out of the picture for a lot of homeowners. So what do they do? Well, they, like I say, look after the, the quality of the electricity that comes through the wires in the local area. They, they distribute that. And when a tree falls on the wires or there's snow somewhere or um, there's a, a fault in the lines, it's, it's their, their guys in the, in, who rush out there with the, the big ladders and go and fix all those wires. So they're measured on the uptime and also the quality of the power that comes to our power points. So that partly explains why they are interested in what happens when people start putting their own generation on roofs. So anyway, I caught up with none other than the CEO of Vector Energy and had a chat about their solar program. Thank you very much for your time, Simon. Really appreciate that. First of all, can you tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and and what you do at Vector? Yeah, Matthew, look, um, thanks for uh, having a chat today. But, um, yeah, I'm the chief executive of Vector. Um, basically, I guess uh, Vector is a large multi-utility business, so we have uh, 10 different businesses, and uh, they all principally sit in the kind of infrastructure and related services technology area. Um we uh, obviously have 60% of our revenue comes from regulated businesses, so that's like electricity uh, networks, gas distribution networks, gas transmission, and then 40% of our revenue is derived from uh, related unregulated businesses such as gas trading, uh, technology, which is a communications business, as well as smart metering and um, LPG. And, uh, you know, one of our key focuses is around really focusing on what is the future infrastructure and technology service needs for New Zealand going forward. So uh, that's principally what occupies a lot of our time is not only operating our existing businesses as efficiently as we can, but also really thinking around what customers and infrastructure in New Zealand uh, are going to be wanting and looking like in the future. And I guess that leads to why a lines company such as Vector, who are primarily in charge of ensuring people have a continuous supply of power from transmission through to their power points in their wall, um, I guess that explains a little bit why you're interested in solar. Yeah, look, it does. I mean, I think you know one of the one of the traps and one of the um, I guess issues that I, I think. Uh, does occur with a lot of uh, network businesses around the world is, is that they actually got to get out of the mindset that um, whilst they might currently be classified as a monopoly business um, because customers don't have a lot of choice, I think that that, um, that reality is, is um, dissipating quite quickly. Uh, and what we are seeing is customers actively looking to control their costs, actively looking for choice, and um, there's no use um, burying their heads in the sand thinking that the world of you know putting lines up or cables in the ground is going to carry on forever. 
uh, in a world where customers don't have choice. And so the whole focus is providing that choice, looking at how those solutions can actually be better for the customers and also avoid uh, the risk to us around investing in assets that become redundant uh, and importantly also looking at other opportunities for us to grow as a business. Let's discuss the some of the specifics of the system for those that haven't had a chance to look at it because your mm-hmm. system that you're offering is a little bit special. Can you give a, a, a quick overview of what the solar system looks like? Yeah, um, basically we have what I would classify as the, the standard um, panels which are on, on the roof and these are supplied by an uh, organisation called Trina. Um, so they are known as PV panels, so photovoltaics. Um, they then basically connect into a cabinet and in that cabinet we have an inverter which obviously converts the DC energy or electricity coming from the panels into AC, which is important to be usable in the home or to inject back in the network. But I think the most fundamental um, part of the system uh, is actually the battery storage and coupled with that, the control technology that sits uh, in conjunction with that um, battery system and the solar, which in essence means that the solar uh, solution uh, can basically provide um, stored energy for the residential customer. So the benefit of that can be used when the customer comes home if they've been out through the day, for example. The sun shines and they're not in the home to use. It's stored in the battery. But the, also the control solution actually starts looking at how it can optimise the energy use and cost in the home of either saying, well, I can use energy from my battery or I can send it out into the network. And that control technology is very important also from a future perspective because it can also integrate other uh, energy issues for the home, such as electric vehicles, uh, and then also control uh, solutions for our network management purposes. So in essence, that's a battery solar solution. It's storing energy, which has always been an issue with um, solar. And when we look into markets such as Germany, battery storage is now being mandated over there because of the massive problems solar generating into the networks has caused for network investment, creating peaks, changing flows. Um, and that has been now being resolved through um, battery storage. So I think that that's the essence of it. It gives 24 by 7 use of the solar essentially to the customer, but also smooths peaks on our network and through the control solution provides much better functionality and information to the customer. That's an interesting point that you bring up about Germany because I was going to say that very few systems at the moment would have batteries. Certainly in Australia, they're not common unless you're off-grid. If they are such a good solution and do have so much to offer, why why are your systems one of the only grid-connected systems that would have batteries at the moment? Look, I think, and, and, and to be honest, this is just my perspective. I, I don't have any you know hard facts or data. I, I think it's actually because um, in a lot of those markets overseas, there was the you know government subsidies and incentives and feed-in tariffs that were put in place to put solar 
up on the roofs of houses. So it was actually a very technology-targeted um, um, kind of initiative, and it, it didn't actually incorporate the battery solutions. When those were put in place, I'd say that the level of sophistication around battery storage and the control technology to support it, even though it might have only been three or four years ago, isn't where it is from a maturity perspective now. Yeah. Uh, I guess one of the um, issues that we look at is because we don't have those types of subsidies in the New Zealand scenario, we had to look at, well, what makes that's from the perspective, but also from a network perspective. And um, and part of that is also around the battery storage, yep. uh, making it more meaningful for the customer, but also managing that risk of um, devices being put on our network that can create quite significant network problems and cause unnecessary investment uh, to manage you know, peaks. Now, an example of that going back in time was in Queensland, um, the hardware, some hardware suppliers over there decided to bring into Queensland um, reasonably cheap air conditioning units at a time when a lot of the Queensland market didn't have air conditioning. Yeah. People bought these, put them into the network, and it caused, as I understand it, well over $2 billion worth of network investment. $2 billion. Um, Yeah. Wow. That had that Had that not occurred, and had it been managed through control and you know, a good, you know, a, a well thought through rollout, that probably would have been significantly less. So our incentive is to make sure that, yes, we want to have solutions for customers that give them the choice, but we also want to make sure that it doesn't cause collateral damage and unnecessary costs that actually in a, in a perverse way flow back onto customers because of those devices being on the network. So essentially you're in charge of the network. You see solar coming and you want to know what solar is going to do when people start plugging systems into your network? I want to know what it's doing, but we also know that it can because of the times of day when it will typically generate. Uh, at those times of day, it don't necessarily coincide with when the energy is most needed, yep. but it can cause um, unintended consequences. Yeah. Now, a lot of people who are just finding out about PV and solar would assume that you don't need to be connected from to the grid. What are the benefits of having batteries and also still being connected to the grid? Why does someone need to be connected to the grid if they're um, in the, in an urban setting and, and have their own solar power? Well, look, the reality is typically that, um, you know, I, I think in the simplest sense is that um, you, you probably never at this, well sorry, I shouldn't say never, but currently you're not likely to have solar being able to, to deliver all the power you need for your home yeah. um, if, if you're going to be you know, operating your home as, as a lot of people do. So in the first instance, it's, it's going to reduce probably somewhere in the order of around 50% of the demand for your home. Um, but then it's not always going to be generating at full capacity. So, you know, the issue is, is that you do need to supplement that with uh, energy from another source, and typically that's, um, you know, through a network connection and buying energy from your retailers. Um, but, you know, who's to say in the future you may not get connected, but, 
you know, the reality is the sun doesn't always shine. Your solar system's not always going to be delivering what you need. Uh, battery storage currently will obviously continue to evolve and develop, but to have a system that you could ride through a number of days with very little solar um, generation would probably be a, be a bit of a stretch at this point in time. Yeah. Um, and so that's just the practical reality of it. You also get that kind of benefit of backup. And I think one of the other benefits of our solution with the battery storage, not only does it store the energy, but if um, there was a network outage, um, then, you know, and we've had this already where customers that have the solar, a um, couple of them out in Waiheke, and um, the battery storage, if they had a bad storm and their network area went down, but they didn't even know that it had occurred because um, the batteries just kept the house running. So right. it's like an uninterruptible power supply benefit as well. Right. What's your vision for the future? If you could look, I know it's probably hard to look 10 years, but maybe if you look five years into the future, what is our energy infrastructure um, in the resi- particularly the residential side? What do you think it looks like? Yeah, look, I, I do think that um, particularly, I mean, in my view, there will there'll always be a need for for quite some time for a physical network connections, not only to basically provide that uh, surety of supply to the customer's premises, but also to actually enable solar to be actually sent from a customer's premises to others to use in the network. So, you know, it's more of an integrated system. So I think it's very much the way we've been thinking about our networks for well over 10 years now. Some people call it smart networks and, and so I think it'll be very, very rich in technology. Um, the challenge that we focus on is how do we make um, the solutions and the service to the customers reliable, um, value for money, and actually easy to, to manage and operate. Hence a lot of our focus on application development for things such as iPhones and you know, our solar solution has a has an app that actually links with it so you can actually look on your iPhone or your Android device and actually see what's going on at home and, and then that can be extended into being able to control what's going on in the home. Yeah. Um, the fact of the matter is is that a lot of people, I guess, um, will want to actually have these devices uh, on their homes. So I think we'll see a lot more penetration on people's roofs. I think new builds will almost... Certainly in five years' time, have this is just part, it'll become more and more of a normal part of the of the housing development. Um, and I think to that point, people will pretty much want to get into a set and forget, but know that they can check if they need to, um, what's going on. Yeah. Um, I think that it's really important that, you know, some developers have gone down a very much a, a kind of a, just a technology choice path as opposed to thinking of it as an integrated system that this battery storage, for example, with the control technology, we will see, you know, probably more electric vehicles. So rather than duplicating another system to manage that, it can be integrated into this system. And I think that that's an important component because people will not want a whole lot of clutter and control clutter in their properties. Yeah. And so I guess that's the kind of perspective, and we we just look for ways to enable that choice to customers, 
whilst managing the risk on our network so we don't deploy capital inefficiently whilst also looking for growth opportunities for us to take new products and services to customers. Well, you're certainly taking a leadership role at this stage and I'm loving having the information available. Uh, I've got the the system on on my house now. I've had it for about uh, four or five weeks and I think we are sitting on about that 50% target. And the fact that I know that is really, really cool and I know it instantaneously. I can look on my my iPhone right now and see – what ha- what's happening and when I explain it to people I describe it like the dashboard of a Prius where you can see the the, the flows of energy around the sort of four sections whether it's the roof, the batteries the grid or the house and, and it's just such a cool um, a whole new area of information and intelligence around those systems which I think is that third aspect of, of why this system is and this technology is so exciting and it's got a uh, huge potential. Well, look, I, mean, I, I agree. And I mean, you know, just, just because, you know, it's no use me talking about this without actually living it too. So I've, I've got the solution at home. Great. Um, and, and I find the same. And I find interesting enough, you know, when we got it up on the roof and my kids were pretty interested in it and they yeah. kind of say, you know, what's going on? And, and, you know, that's that kind of engagement and, and that links to sustainability, I think, importantly, because that's something we all got to think about. Absolutely. I think it links to understanding efficiency. Um, and that efficiency is, you know, I'm not sitting there saying it's around, um, you know, saving the planet type of stuff, but it actually is that awareness and, and there's a growing awareness. And I think for for New Zealand and, and you know, um, in particular, it's important that, because we have that renewable heritage that we have to celebrate, then it's something we should be proud of. Yeah. And if that information is the source where actually is the catalyst that people can talk to. And, um, yeah. You know, I've, I've also recently retrofitted a lot of the house with LED lights as well. And, um, you know, again, that's created another kind of topic of conversation. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, it, it, the other point is the information we do know for a fact that there's all these kind of theories out there around, you know, sending price signals and blah, blah, blah. Well, it's absolutely useless unless people have easily accessible and controllable information. Yeah, 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 which is what this one of the features of what this system provides. Hey, look, um, we're going to run out of time. Um, Simon, where, can you give us some numbers about the pilot that you're running right now? Uh, how many people you've got on the scheme so far and where can people go to find out more information if they want to get involved? Yeah, sure. Look, we've got, um, we targeted the uh, 50 installs um, by the end of June and um, we're on target for that and um, the people who are interested can go to the website, which is vectorsolar.co.nz. Or, or they can call on 0800 70 70 30. Um, and um, whilst it is a first stage pilot, we've learnt a lot. Um, we will continue to refine the offering. And um, certainly, you know, myself, the, the team here and the board are committed to continuing to roll this solution out. Great. Hey, well, thank you very much for your time, Simon, and uh, congratulations with the pilot. I think it's fantastic uh, showing leadership in New Zealand and also from a technology point of view, very exciting as well. So looking forward to 
finding out more from the results and uh, and seeing more of it rolled out across certainly Auckland at this stage, but hopefully some of the other lines companies might follow suit too. Yeah, right. thanks a lot and um, look forward to keeping you updated in the future and other developments that um, I'm sure you'll be interested in as well. So thanks for your time, Matthew. Great. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Bye. Simon McKenzie there, the CEO of Vector Limited here in Auckland. And uh, a great opportunity to talk to Simon. And he's a busy man, obviously, as a, a CEO of such a large organisation and a huge asset that they can, they, they're in charge of. Um. Three main points that I took out of that interview. Firstly, Vector is not a power company. Well, they're not a, a generator in the traditional sense, and they're not a retailer either. And I think that's a really important point because we tend to think about solar powers and um, solar panels in terms of our power company, quote unquote, the people that we get a bill from. And Vector is not traditionally one of them. So. I think this. I take my hat off to to Vector because they're really thinking outside the square. They know that solar is coming, and they are doing a very proactive thing here to look at what it's going to do to them, but also what are, what are the opportunities there for for homeowners. So um, that was the first point. Vector is not a power company, but they they're getting into that space. My second point is, as I've mentioned already, solar is coming and. This is not just artificial market-driven or, or market-influencing programs like big subsidies and rebate schemes. These types of things have been and mechanisms have been really successful in, in kick-starting the industry in places like Australia. But with all schemes like that, there's a bit of a, a painful period afterwards when those subsidies dry up. So what we're talking about now, I think, is the beginning of some organic growth in the market where it is financially viable and it does the numbers do stack up and it's a really good option and vector are making that even more viable with their the way that their pricing is worked out so that there's not there's not the huge um, capital outlay for getting a, what is a very comprehensive system and that my third point is that the components of this system that do make it unique it's the PV panels and the inverter which are the, the important bits that normally come with a, a solar photovoltaic system to turn the sunlight into electricity and into usable uh, alternating current inside the house. So it, it comes with that, obviously, and, and the system on my place, uh, which I have got installed, is running at, um, it's a three kilowatt system, and that's so far for about the month, it, it's about 30% of our of our power so far, but I'll... Um, Running out of time, so we'll we'll talk about my particular case uh, perhaps um, next week or in a couple of weeks' time. So comes with those, those those fundamental parts, the PV panels, the inverter, but it also comes with these batteries, and that's what makes it so special because that is the key to being able to use more power when we actually need it. And that I, I have noticed because uh, because of the third part is the the controls, or not so much the controls, but the information that's being provided and the fact that I can jump on my iPhone and actually see at any time of the day the level of energy that's in the, the batteries and also which direction the power is, the electricity is flowing, whether it's flowing from the PV into the 
batteries, it's charging the batteries up or whether that's being used directly or if it's flowing into the grid. And I can see which direction everything's flowing. For example, at, uh, at right now, at 9 o'clock at night, or 10 o'clock now, um, I can see that it's flowing from, uh, well, there's nothing happening uh, with the panels, but I can see that my batteries are at 20% and that the flow is from the grid into into the home. So that's a really useful thing. And um, having that control mechanism or that that visual indicator of what's going on I, is, is another component, the third component that makes it really, really cool. That's enough for this week. I've gone over the half-hour mark, uh, which I try not to do each week, but I, I guess I just talk for too long. So love to get your comments. Please do drop into iTunes and leave a comment on the, sh- on the show, a short review or a star rating. It would be great to get those. And we'll see you back here next week for Homestyle Green.